now live and on lockdown. Are you ready? Broadcasting from Edinburgh, Scotland and across the globe. Listen here. You're listening to Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders podcast on Hearts on Live Radio with your host, Fraser Ramsey. I'm back. Welcome to the new debut show of Ramsey Unleashed, the rebrand from the former Hattrick and Ramsey Unleashed. The Hattrick has gone off to do another show, so you can tune into his show at some point when he, um, I'm not sure when he's on, but I know he's in a fortnight. But you will hear him in, on Cardiovisor show, so you can find him wherever he is tuned in. But yeah, welcome to the new debut of Hattrick, from I can see Hattrick, Ramsey Unleashed, I'm going to Freudian slip already. Um, so Ramsey Unleashed going beyond borders, where I will be interviewing some inspirational people, everyday run-of-the-mill people who have decided to change their life, who have been going through ups and downs and struggles in their life and have decided to get off the struggle bus, as I refer to reference to Jamila Corbett, uh, as her phrase, but um, got off the struggle bus and decided to start a new chapter in their life and make a difference from being, and actually just becoming authors, to actors, to musicians, to whatever. Going to listen to people from all walks of life, and it's going to be fun, it's going to be interesting, people locally, people abroad, and, uh, and hopefully you'll enjoy the inspirational stories of people who are on the show. And my first guest today, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, in America, is the famous author, created Authors in Business, is Desiree Lee, where, and she is coming from a life of basically being in jail, getting out of jail, hitting, the ha- hitting a low point, and it basically starting a business in book and basically writing our own first book and his take and the rest is history. And we're going to dive into that in the quickest way possible and as in depth as possible on the show today. Uh, so welcome, Desiree Lee. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Frazier, for inviting me on to your show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, it's... Pleasure to have you. Finally got you on. It's only taken a while. So I've just finally got you. <laughs> finally, <laughs> I finally got you on the radio on my podcast. This is great, especially in Scotland and on heartsonlive.co.uk. This is great fun. So some of the topics we're going to talk about. Now, you've had an interesting... We're going to dive straight in. Because I know your, your schedule's tight as it is. You're a busy woman because uh, you've got lots of authors to develop and create and everything else. So let's dive in. Tell us a bit about your life. Tell us growing up. Tell us um, as brief as brief or as in much depth as possible. Um, tell us your lifestyle, what it was growing up, till you got went to jail. Before all the process, the, obviously you must have hung around some bad people or got in the wrong crowd. Uh, before and what all kind of happened? Tell us a bit about your growing up and life, and just kick off with that. Sure thing. So um, I want, you know, all the listeners to know that, you know, you are not a product of your past or past mistakes or circumstances. And essentially what I did was write my way out of my situation and change the trajectory of my future. Um, Growing up, uh, I, my background you know, was not considered uh, at-risk teen or 
I wasn't, I don't have a horror stories of my childhood. Um, they're very pleasant. And I was raised in California here in the United States um, by both of my parents. And my parents were divorced or gotten divorced when I was 10 years of age. Um, being that they, you know, instilled in me and my younger brother morals and values. They kept us in church every Sunday, um, made sure that we respect our elders and those who are around us. And, you know, my parents really hit home where, you know, education will take you places that, you know, hustling can't take you or education will take you to, you know, beyond the borders of the world. And they were really, really uh, strict and really stern about um, the educational piece to make sure that we had all the tools needed prior to becoming adults and being, you know, successful citizens, you know, of the world. And they did a really, really good job of that. And in school, as I graduated from primary school to middle school to high school, I was an all-star athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, uh, getting two basketball scholarships. Oh. My grades were really awesome, you know, a 3.8 GPA uh, during my high school years. And I graduated with honors and all of my family came to my house to celebrate my success. And it was really exciting to just have the support from not only my parents, but my friends, my family from all over the United States. And it was really exciting. And, you know, I kind of described that moment of my life as one of the highest moments of my life um, because, you know, I worked really, really hard as a, as a child and, and going through all of that. And, you know, even through that, you know, Ramsey, uh, I was rewarded with, you know, money and gifts and different things like that. The more that I excelled in high school. So tell us what point when you got involved in this, how did it all unravel to this obviously the robbery you got involved in to what kind of kicked things off? What made you kind of just, well, is it like it was out of desperation? Did something just happen? What turn of events happened to make you cause you to do this? Well, you know, a lot of people ask that question, Ramsey, because they try to figure out how does a individual like yourself raised by both of your parents, great education, great living environment, sound mind, get caught up in something so traumatic or something so far left. How, how did you make that turn, you know, that turn or what was it that sparked that interest or what made you go into that direction? And it had a lot to wanting to fit in and wanting to be a part of the in crowd and just having my own perception of what life was. Um, my year, you know, the rain started to take off, you know, off of me of different restrictions as I was getting ready to go into college. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you start having a little bit more freedoms, you know, in the household. So therefore I was exposed to different things that I wasn't, you know, normally, you know, see on a day-to-day -day basis during high school. And, you know, I was smoking marijuana with my friends. A lot of times I was listening to music that, of course, didn't have my best interest in mind. 
I was more curious about, you know, uh, you know, being intimate with, you know, you know, partner. I was more wondering how to survive from the music or what I saw on television. I this was a way to get fast money. And in my mind at 17 years old, I want people to know I'm not 17 now, but in that moment, I felt as though that I needed to have a certain amount of money in order for me to make it through college, which was totally far left of what my responsibilities or what I needed to be able to uh, successfully graduate from college. And I thought my mom was the enemy. And if there's any adults here who have teenagers, I strongly encourage them to have their child listen to this podcast or bring them next to you to hear because, you know, a lot of adults, we at there was a time where we thought our parents didn't want us to have fun. We thought our parents wanted to be, you know, want us to have uh, restrictions or didn't want us to go party or hang out with our friends or whatever it was that we were going to do. And we had all these different rules. You know, we had that, that thought process at 17 years old. And I quickly found out that the day that I got caught, um, you say, if you, are you in, just to, sorry to cut you off, I think just to find your in, best internet signal, wherever you are, because the signal is a little bit in and out. So we are using Skype to speak uh, just to see if we can hear uh, that's better. I'm not sure if somebody else is in your household on the internet and using up the juice. <laughs> you still there? Can you hear me? Yes, I'm still uh, here. That's cool. Sorry, just admit, just uh, apologies if there's anybody listening live. It may be a slight delay. We are using Skype. The signal is a little bit iffy, uh, but uh, we are, as I say, international, and we are going beyond borders. So please carry on. Uh, and just uh, I think the signal was just a bit weak there for a second. Go ahead. Sure thing. And so, uh, you know, I just basically realized that me and my mother were on the same same team. That our parents. Our enemy. Yep. Are you still there? That's what I want. Okay, cool. Sorry. Yes, that's, I'm still I thought, here. That's sorry. what I want. That's what I want parents to know is that you know our parents are not our enemies. That yeah. you know your parents, you guys are on the same team and want the same thing. That's that is good. Uh, I mean, I'm this 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 thing to you, obviously the signal has been a bit hit or miss today. Maybe it's the weather. We'll blame the weather. It's always good, um, but. But being being brought up in such a, a great family in life and uh, learning, um, just being obviously the, the lots of good um, traits from your parents drilled into you, and obviously as you're saying about being uh, restrictions lifted. I mean, what when you were sort of you're saying you're hanging out with your your mates and you were smoking marijuana, you were just getting up to the well things you pr pretty much shouldn't be doing. Obviously, what your folks didn't know about what you and what you were doing, thinking you're still sweet and innocent, but obviously when you get older, you're going to, in having relationships, was the kind of people that, you, I mean, in the sort of, obviously while you're smoking drugs, and um, were the kind of people quite, are they, what's the word I'm trying to say, were they more uh, always getting into trouble anyway? Is that the kind of the attitude they had? They didn't really care much. They saw they can, they were quite free hence the reason it led you to being part of this being part of a crime basically well it wasn't you know 
when I say I was smoking marijuana, it wasn't that I was smoking something every day. Right. Just okay. when my friends did it, I wanted to make, I didn't want to feel like I was the oddball. So, right. you know, I just dabbed into it. It wasn't something that I enjoyed doing. I just did it because everybody in my environment around that time, wherever we were hanging out at, they did it and I, I took it and took a puff and that was that. Um, I share that moment because I want people to know that, you know, I was, you know, I was influenced by being liked by my friends because of my accolades, of my good grades, uh, you know, there was a lot of kids that didn't excel like me. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you get picked on for being smart. They call you a nerd. They call you smarty pants. They call you all kinds of different names and make you feel like the all bar out, like being smart is a bad thing to be around these group of individuals. And, um, you know, as I share in my book, you know, on the day that I got caught, I was in the car that my mother, you know, my parents bought for me for my graduation gift. And I was scared as all get out. It wasn't that I wanted to continue to uh, be the driver of the car wasn't actually going up to in people with at gunpoint and telling them to take give me their money. I was just the driver of the car, and I wanted to go home after the first incident, but I was afraid to go home because I knew it would be such a big disappointment to my parents. Right. And there's a lot of times that there's kids out here who have suffered through molestation, a rape, um, being date raped. Um, there's a lot of people out here may find themselves in situations and they just don't know how to get out. They just don't know how to get home, go home. They don't know, you know, they've been bullied at school. They just don't know how to tell and stay cool. They just don't know how to, you know, let somebody know, or even there's a lot of a lot of adults who don't even still to this day do not know how to ask for help. Right. You know, it's there, but they're not comfortable or they just don't know how to ask for help. And so in, in that motion of, you know, being a part of all these crimes, uh, you know, it was just that I did not know how to go home. I didn't know how, my family was going to respond. I really didn't know how much trouble I was in in that moment. I did not know the weight of the punishment or the consequences from the actions that I was taking part of. Okay. And so I just want a lot of parents to know to create safe words with their children, to create that open communication that if their children find themselves there, they know how to ask for help. And for adults who may have made big mistakes just like i have that it's never too late to become what you could have been you know that may have been a part of your life but it's never too late to become what you could have been and what i wanted to be was an international interpreter what i wanted to be was to be able to speak around the world and look what's happening today ramsey exactly Exactly. Regardless of my past, I'm still speaking around the world. I'm speaking in Scotland to the Scotland people around <laughs> the world. <laughs> so tell us, uh, obviously we're trying to squeeze in as much as we can here. Let's tell us now about, you got obviously got caught. So the process of being caught and you must have kind of turned a funny colour of sheet white probably. 
uh, realising, oh, oh, I'm now caught. Uh, goes the process of then from that when you got caught and now you're pretty much heading to jail. Right. And so when, you know, we all think that, you know, there's one thing that everybody in prison has in common is that we all thought that we won't get caught. You know, we we sneak and there's a lot of individuals, you know, I always say that, you know, there's a lot of people who commit crime. We were just the only ones who've gotten caught um, every single day. And, you know, in that moment, I was I was really scared because, you know, I, I, all I knew about prison was what I saw on TV or in the movies and, you know, or what people said about it and different things like that, but never actually you know experiencing it firsthand it's a different story and i was charged for 11 counts of armed robbery and five counts of aggravated assault and here in the state of georgia in america the the minimum amount of sentence time is 135 years so (laughs) i was 17 standing in front standing in front of a judge praying to god that I don't have to spend 135 years in prison. And it's crazy that you think of a split of a second or a decision you make that, you know, now you're standing here and your life is flashed before your eyes, like literally. And the only experience you had of life is high school and you you haven't even experienced life at this point. And you're about to be behind bars for the rest of your life. And so, yes, I was very scared and frightened that, you know, and ashamed that I can't believe that I made such a crazy decision that everything is going to be taken from, from me, but for 135 years of my life. And I'm just really grateful that the judge had kindness and and showed favor upon me that she only sentenced me to 10 years to serve four years in prison. So I was really blessed that I was only, only spent four years instead of 135 years in prison. So what was the, just what was the worst robbery that you were involved in out of the ones that you did? Um, all of them were right. Okay. All, all of them were the worst ones uh that i was involved in you know because that to inflict that type of fear on you know the victims you know i'm quite sure there was you know very scared and i'm sure they never forgot that moment of their lives either um but each one was you know what very was, very traumatizing. How did you? Traumatizing. How did you? How did you target your victims? Or how, the, how did you? What was the kind of the target to the people to rob? To rob? Who, what kind of caliber of people were they? What's that? I'm sorry. Uh, what kind of caliber of people were they that you chose to rob? Well, obviously you were the, the people that you were involved with to rob. What kind of caliber were they? Were they just an old man in a street in in, in a nice house, or was it kind of certain people you targeted? You know what, Ramsey? You're the first person after all the interviews that I have done with sharing my story who has asked me, who did we rob? You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I want to share that portion with people, especially with our young people, because um, 
it doesn't matter if you rob the old man that's walking up or the person that is coming, you know, out of the grocery store or the person that is at home is still the same amount of time that a person will receive. And so um, from that, it was, you know, definitely it wasn't no specific person that we were just trying to find or a specific class or caliber, you know, in that moment when you're a kid, it's, it wasn't organized crime, right? Right. It was just whoever who had, you know, money. And of course, by looking at someone, you never know if they have money or not. So, you know, it wasn't like we were out scoping or casing out a, a bank or a person or family um, to rob. It was just, hey, I was the driver. Wherever they told me to go, I went. So that's cool. Well, let's say uh, we'll take a small quick breather and we're going to touch and give us an, in, we'll get an insight to the four years of being in jail what it was like and uh, obviously from your first day to when you finally got freed so we'll come back after this wee sweep my new jingles from the Ramsey Unleashed podcast uh, so uh, hopefully you like them but uh, we'll be back after this two seconds Listening to Ramsey Unleashed going beyond borders on heartsonglive.co.uk, your inspirational station. And welcome back. There we go. That's one of my sweeps. Hope you like it going forward. Uh, so, we've got Desiree Lee on uh, the show from um, Atlanta, Georgia, all the way from on Skype. So, um, we welcome her to our show. Debut show of the Ramsey Unleashed podcast show going beyond borders. We will be interviewing many people of inspirational stories from music and all different backgrounds, because I like to keep it real. It's unleashed, and uh, in the day is, uh, we're going to keep it from people in the community, local to Edinburgh, Scotland, and obviously across the world. So I'm going to say, tell us, Desiree, you've, um, you've first day in jail. You, what, you must have been going through the process, and obviously tell you, give us a bit of a background to your jail time. Well, the, the time that I spent you know, in prison was very traumatic. And it's it's not like what you see on TV. Different when you experience in person. They have this show called Scared Straight where the words of the children who make careless decisions, they kind of try to scare them before you know, they get sentenced to going to prison. They try to make sure, like, try to detour them from, you know, a life of being incarcerated. And what I share with students when I speak at high schools, I work with the United States Attorney's Office, I work with the government here and share my story to as many teenagers as possible. And when I share my prison experience with them, I often tell them that, the reason why it's different is because people can touch you. And the best way that I can describe it to a young person or a parent is that those individuals that you see on the news who have uh, committed this crime now become your bodies. And it's plus Oh. individuals in one dorm 
that with with one officer and you know these are individuals who have life sentences and they have nothing to lose and that's the most scary scariest position to be at is next to a person uh who has a life sentence and they have nothing to lose if they kill another person in there they say put it on their time because they're going to spend the rest of their life in there anyway and for someone like me who was going to get out in a few years it's very very traumatizing and scary because you don't your life is on the line but now it's in a different environment mm -hmm. uh now you don't have mommy they're protecting you or trying to prevent careless decisions and, you oh. know wrong women who have nothing to lose and it's really traumatizing yeah, I'm just, I'm just uh, our signals are missed a little bit, so we apologize for if you're listening live and you're maybe missing out on a few things, but uh, hopefully you'll catch the drift of what we we're talking about. Um, so just, when, but obviously being quite traumatised, did, did you, I mean, maybe obviously you're in a woman, I'm guessing you're in a, an all-female jail, uh, there's going to be a mixed one, um, did you create some friends or get to know many people or did you hear other, obviously listening to other people's stories of what other different crimes within jail? Um, I'm not sure. What, what do you mean oh, by sorry, that well, question? Well, um, what I'm saying, you obviously, you, four years in jail, you would have created some friendships or maybe people you wanted to, you might have connected, kept in contact with when you got released or people might have got released afterwards. Maybe you've been able to inspire them, obviously, from now in the future. Um, what is, I mean... Did you obviously you or did you have to sort of create your own sort of did you obviously toughen up? You're in jail. You don't take any sort of rubbish from anybody else. Uh, I mean, tell us the sort of different characters you saw in jail of other people. Well, the the individuals, you know, people who are in in jail, they're not not everybody is a monster in jail. One. <laughs> The second thing is, you know, they're, they're, you know, it's regular human beings in there. There's right. mothers, there's grandmothers, there's wow. children. There's a lot of real people in there who have and who play outside of that. I think, you know, this, this condition people have are, you, if, you, if you're here in America and you go to the grocery store, to get groceries and you have $50 in your account and you, your bill is a hundred dollars for groceries and you still write a check for a hundred dollars knowing that you only have $50 in there. That's considered a crime. Man. Right. That's considered. So imagine somebody going that is so minimal that a lot of people try to buy food or overdraft their accounts for food or gas to just get to work and just to survive and they get prison time for that. It's not always murder. Right. It's not always robbery. It's not always uh, drugs that are people that are in prison. So, you know, um, if, if somebody's husband stole a, a, a watch from the pawn store somewhere, you know, and give it to you as a gift, 
Yeah. Um, that's called theft by receiving. People go to jail for that just for receiving something that you didn't even know what was stolen. That's crazy. And so um, in, in jail, it wasn't that I had to be uh, tough. In prison, I had to stay prayered up. That's what I had to be. Okay. I had to continue to pray to keep my mind um, in, in saint, you know, in one accord with God's word while I was incarcerated. Um, so no, it wasn't that, um, are there some different things that happen while you're in there? Yes. Uh, do you make friends in there? Do I have any friends from prison? Uh, no, I don't. Um, by the <laughs> law, once you're released, you can't, um, if you make friends with anyone and the government finds out, they send you back to prison. Right, so okay. they, you know, cut all that or nip that in the bud once you're released from prison. So no, uh, it's, it's not like a kumbaya. Like I went to college and made some college buddies all and right. okay. came out to that. So no, that's not what prison is. So no, I didn't make any yeah, that's cool. friends or have any associates from prison. Well, let's say we're going to take a, a quick break. Um, we're going to come back. We'll play a tune from an upcoming artist called Brian McHugh. Um, and play that we've got a couple of jingles and we'll come back and get part two of Desiree's story Desiree Lee's story from when she left jail uh, from when she and her sort of the ups and downs struggles of obviously trying to find work and not being able to get a job but we'll get a better insight to that and obviously from the time uh, a little bit about a thing called passing the mustard seed so we'll hear about that and obviously We'll wrap up with uh, as much info regarding what she's doing now and how it all kicked off and uh, what she has going for the future uh, ahead. And we'll hopefully get her on again in the future going forward and to get more details of her story and inspirational people that she's connected with and she's helped create through her authors and business um, and what she's doing. So uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be after uh, we song from uh, Brian McHugh. So... Um, we what it's called climb up that ladder. Uh, we bit of country music. So if you like your country music, I like to if you as I say, if you know of any artists out there, people who've got are good at singing or got some music, let us know. Send it in or get in contact with us. Uh, we'd love to be able to play and get your music on the airwaves across the Scotland and the world. If you're not from Scotland, as I say, and you want to get your music out with USA, for example, and into the UK, give us a shout. We'd happy to have a listen and hopefully we'll play it for you. But uh, we'll be back after this week's tune from uh, Climb, Not, Climb Up That Ladder by Brian McHugh. We'll be back in a second. Sitting in my living room Having thoughts of you things we'll do Waking up each morning After sleep each night Everything in between Holding each other tight Climb up that ladder Right to the top Step by step I will take Stop. Climb up that ladder 
dog world of podcasting ramsey unleashed featured on the heartsonglive.co.uk it's got to be having a leg up on the competition you're listening to edinburgh scotland's must listen to podcast on heartsonglive.co.uk your inspirational station welcome back to ramsey unleashed with our guest desiree lee how is it going you still hanging in there Absolutely, I totally enjoyed the song. I was good. I was quite a beat actually. It was really good. So everyone, you can stop your line dancing now and can come back to the interview now. <laughs> Listen up. <laughs> so it was good. It was quite a beat. It was good. Next few bit of tuning. I liked it. So I've got a couple other songs from him as well, and I've got some other people lined up for future shows. So I like just the nice upbeat. So it was cool. So yeah, uh, let's kick off with um, you've let you've been let set free from jail. Tell us. Uh, What's next? What all happened? How did it all unfold? Well, you know, um, once I was released, you know, of course, anybody who has been confined, you know, it was really, really exciting. You know, like, yes, finally, you know, I have my freedom back. You know, finally, I can, you know, uh, you know, be, you know, into the world and get my life back. And different things like that. Those are some of the thoughts that were going through my mind once I was released from prison. But I quickly found out that it wasn't that easy. Mm-hmm. I quickly found out of all the limitations um, that I was 
about to face within a few weeks or months after I was released from prison. And I'm so happy uh, to be a guest on your show mm-hmm. um, because it is about those who have faced tragedy, who have went through the worst moments in their life and who have overcame that. And just to be able to share my story and let people know that, you know, I was going through so much stuff and experiencing so many heartaches and still came out on the other side is to give someone hope who may be going through the worst or darkest moments of their life. And some of those hurdles that I came across were, you know, not being able to get a job because now they do background checks. Yeah. Um, not being able to go to college because they do background checks. Not being able to get an apartment or a place to live or even rent a house because they do background checks. And it was very daunting to get rejected for six years. I mean, just imagine you're trying, you know, you learned your lesson and you're just asking for a second chance. And, you know, people who, uh, you know, you, you walk up to them and hoping you can have a chance to get your life back on track and everybody is saying no. Um, how many people, you know, try to be the best track star or go into college or whatever, not having a background check and the feeling of somebody telling you that you're not good enough or it's because you made a mistake five, six years ago that we can't give you this chance. And it's it's not fun at all. It's not fun. And I mean, even men don't like to be rejected when they're trying to ask a woman out on a date. <laughs> And, and hey. you know, imagine experiencing that, replaying that over and over again for six years, you know? Yeah, but life can be tough as a man. It can be. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it can be very, very tough. But, I mean, you know, after a while, when you hear no over and over again, you know, some people just give up. They don't even try yeah. anymore, you know? It is very true. Very, very true. Uh, it's not easy. Not easy, as I say, it's not easy being a man, it's not easy being a woman, <laughs> as they say. Absolutely, <laughs> well, we can't live without them, we can't live with them, but anyway, <laughs> okay, no, that's, that, that's a story for us and our story for another time, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, you, now let's go back. You're struggling, obviously, you can't get a job, you're just saying, like, where, where do I go? What direction do I go in? And uh, so, what, what did you do? You're obviously feeling quite low. You're just feeling rejected. What's going through your mind? What's happening? Well, you know, it's, you know, like I said, you know, I just wanted to give up. You know, sometimes people, when you go through, you know, that over and over again, and you're really trying to make a, a really good effort that, you know, sometimes you just get tired of being tired. And, you know, I was trying to have create businesses and create a job and all that stuff. And I went to my mom and was like, you know, nobody's giving me a chance. Nobody's giving me a chance. Nobody's giving me a chance. And, you know, uh, you know, Wayne Dyer, he says this too. He said, you can be an eagle or a duck, you know, an eagle, they soar above a storm. When it storms, they don't fly through it. They don't fly under it. They fly above it. But the duck, all it does is quack. So you could have a choice to be the duck and, just complain about it all the time. And my mom was like, you know, instead of, 
you know, complaining about a job once you create your own job. And that's the thing, you know, sometimes when our backs are against the wall, mm -hmm. we have to look at what what is in our hands. And when that aha, you know, came about and came to me, it was like, wow, you know, my opportunity was right there in my hands the whole entire time. Mm -hmm. You know, if I messed up my life, I can now share my story with people and individuals to prevent them from experiencing that same pain. You know, I, I always, you know, share this, you know, sometimes you don't go through situations of your life for yourself. You go through it for three specific reasons to prevent someone else from going through that, you know, encourage someone who may be in it and to show people that God can make a way out of no way. And if I had to experience all that to prevent another teenager and or an adult from experiencing it, then it made the pain that I've endured, it made it worth it. Mm -hmm. And so from that, you know, even with my story, uh, you know, sometimes I laugh at myself because I'm like, I, I was trying to hide that I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Nobody walks up to a person and says, hi, my name is Desiree Lee and I'm a convicted felon. Right. Nobody is proud to say, this is what I've been through. But the funny part about it is, is that the thing that I was hiding is the thing that has taken me around the world. The thing that I was ashamed of or shameful of, you know, is the thing that has opened up doors and changing my life and, you know, financially and, you know, spiritually in the lives of other people. The thing that, you know, I, I didn't want nobody to know about and I was trying to mask and made sure that I masked it, masked it as best as I could so nobody would ever know or find out or what or to use it against me or something that happened when I was 17 is the very thing that is putting me on television shows, government contracts, open mm. doors, helping other people write their stories in their books. So I say to the person who may be ashamed of what they've been through in the past or a mistake or a divorce or marriage or failure in business or they're in debt over their heads is that don't be ashamed because that may be the very thing that changes the, the, the avenue of your success. That may be the very thing that takes you beyond borders. Take, tell us, um, like, tell us a little bit about the, must, I know you've got your first a little bit your first book, which is Inmate. Uh, I don't remember the number, but you can tell us that. Uh, and you've also got the passing the mustard seed. I want to tell you about that the mustard seed regarding how that all happened because that was a very very touching. I've if you are not, you can Google Desiree Lee. You can see a wee clip about that and passing the mustard seed on YouTube. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit about and also being a single mother and how what this obviously that scenario and the struggles that you're obviously bringing up a, your daughter uh, and obviously now into develop building a business as well, earning money and the general struggles that go with that. Well, you know, I, you know, I really put a lot of uh, importance on meeting strangers or getting to know the stranger that is sitting next to me at a, you know, a concert or a church or at an event or in the store, because 
they just may hold the keys that unlocks the door to your next big opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't talk about depression or uh, mental illness when it comes to going through a traumatic experience. Um, Something happens with our brain where you have to uh, differentiate uh, between where you were and where you are right now. And it was very difficult to see um, opportunity or options when you feel like everything is against you. When you feel that, you know, everything is stacked up so high where you can't see over uh, those barriers anymore. It, It just seems as though you don't have any more options. And that's where I was in my life that I felt, you know, I didn't have any more options and I wanted to commit suicide. You know, mm-hmm. I gave up. We talk about, tell people, oh, don't give up, you know, try harder and, you know, you're almost there. And, you know, I did all of that and, I, and nothing was working. No results were formulating. I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I said, you know, I'm just tired. And so I wanted to commit suicide. And on the day that my mind was made up on this decision to end my life, you know, my mother, she invited me to go get my, uh, to get a pedicure, manicure to go to the nail salon um, on this day. And so I went, um, even in the middle of this big depression and this big cloud over my head. And there was a stranger sitting next to me at that moment. And, you know, she looked at me and she said, hello. And of course, you know, when you don't feel good about yourself, you don't exert good energy. So it it was, you know, uh, a very standoffish type of attitude that I didn't want to engage with other people, strangers at that moment. But she persisted on to speak to me and to say hello and just show me some type of kindness, because I guess. I was going through it so much that a person could look at me and tell me that I wasn't happy in my life at that moment. And so after just a short conversation, she invited me to go uh, to the cafe the next day. And, you know, I agreed and, you know, it, it ruined my suicidal plans that night. And so I was really grateful that she said something because mm-hmm. if she didn't, I probably would not be on air with you right now, Ramsey, because it was very, very daunting. Mm -hmm. And um, in that moment at the cafe the next day, I saw this stranger again. And I was like, you know, we're we're about to have a pity party because she doesn't know me. She can't judge me. I'll probably see her ever again. This will probably be the first time I'll see her. I'll just tell her the truth and let it all out and whatever. And so I did. I said, you know, woe is me. You know, the system is against me. The government's against me. My family is against me. My friends are against me. And I was, you know, projecting all this pain that I had because of a decision I made when I was 17. And she just sat there with a smile on her face, looking at me, just sipping her tea. And I thought something was wrong with her. I said, why is this lady not sad? She just smiling like, what is going on? Like, this is not a good thing, you know? And as she was sitting there smiling and I got everything out and 
all of my frustration, disappointment, anger, shame. She turns, you know, to the side and reach down in her purse and she pulls out this small vial, this small little jar that's filled with these yellow seeds. Mm-hmm. And she tells me to open up my hand and I'm sitting there my with tissue on one hand and tears running down my face and my head is hang hang low like in shame and discouragement and I hold out my hand and she pours in my hand some mustard seeds and as she's pouring them in my hand she asks me she said do you do you know what these are and you know with just I I was just tired I was like yeah I know what these are and because she didn't respond the way I thought she was going to respond, I get upset. You know, like, mm-hmm. why is this lady giving me some seeds? I know what these are. These are mustard seeds. I've been in church all my life. Faith is mustard seeds. Speak to the mountain, it will move. I was saying the scripture all wrong. But the, the scripture is, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to your m- mountains and they will move. You can tell it which way to go. Yeah. And so... I was just really like, whatever, like, why isn't this lady giving me an opportunity? Why is it, you know, I prayed, I prayed already and God has not answered me. I tried everything and it's not working. Why are you giving me some seeds? And so she says, yeah, that's right. You know, put them, put them in your purse. So every time you go in your purse, they'll just remind you of how much faith you need. So I picked up that seed and I looked her in the eyes and I said, you know what, lady, this is all the faith I got left because you have to keep in mind, she didn't know I was going to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't tell anyone. And so I looked at her like, this is all I got left. I, I don't have no more faith. And she said, that's all you need. And I said, no, you don't understand. This is all the faith I have left. And she said, no, this is all the faith you need. She said, you see, God doesn't say kick the mountain or push the mountain. He says, speak to the mountain. She said, you have to open up your mouth and call those things that be not as though they were. You have to speak to that mountain. God is not talking about a physical mountain that we see when we look out of our window. Sometimes our problems, our situations, our pains, our mistakes, our decision-making stacks up so high that they become the mountains in our minds. And Mm -hmm in our lives and we can literally open up our mouths and speak to those things and tell it to move out of our way. And I, she gave me affirmation to say, and Ramsey, this was the aha that really changed. Everything was society forgave me because I spent four years in prison and now they let me out. Right. Yeah. My family forgave me because my, now my parents, they, you know, they're helping me. They're trying to give me a place to stay. They're trying to give me encouragement. Everybody has forgiven me except for myself. Mm-hmm. And the affirmation she gave me was, I forgive myself for everything that I have endured. And I think the weight of that depression was that I did, I did not forgive myself. For making that mistake at 17 years old and when i done that 
and have the power to create my own wealth. I can see beyond everything that I see in front of me. I am smart. I am wise. I, I do have the tools and resources in front of me. I am more than a conqueror. I can, I will, you know. I have the power to change my situation. And as the more I kept saying it, the more I start to believe it. And again, I, I, I want to put emphasis on the more I kept saying it, not the more I kept thinking it, mm-hmm. not the more that somebody else told me how good I was. It was the more I, that I spoke it, that the mountains began to move, the clouds became light, lighter instead of dark. The sun began to shine in my life and in my mind, and I could see my way out. And literally, Ramsey, mm-hmm. 30 days later, she kept in contact with me. And 30 days later, I was at a fast food restaurant by the name of Taco Bell. And mm-hmm. I get this call from a pastor, and he asked me to share my story to these young kids in, in, in high school. And I was so excited. And when I went in my purse to get money to pay for my food, a little mustard seed got stuck in my mouth. Mm. And I called Stacy and I was so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, it worked. I said, Stacy, oh my gosh, it worked. Like I did everything you told me to do. I set my affirmations every day and the mm. doors are opening for me. Stacy, she's like, oh, I'm so proud of you. See, I told you. And she said, you know, be honest with you, Desiree. I was going through a dark moment in my life, through a really bad divorce. And there was a lady by the name of Dama Riles, who is also one of my Facebook friends. Mm -hmm. And Dama set her down at a smoothie shop and told her the same thing with the same mustard seeds, the same affirmations that Stacy told me. And so that's what came with my second book, which is Pass the Mustard Seed. If Dama didn't give her that mustard seed and gave her a piece of hope, which Stacy would she have given up too soon? Mm-hmm. And if she would have given up, she didn't know that this stranger, this young girl, was depending on her to make it through her darkest moment of her life so that I can make it through the darkest moment of my life. And so that's why I continue to share my story and continue to pass the mustard seed because of what Stacy did to me. And then I tell the person who's listening who may feel that they're in the darkest moment or depressed or they feel like they don't have any options or maybe they felt like feel like they tried everything and nothing is working and I say to you like you know I've been through all that for six years and I couldn't give God just 30 more days from the day that lady gave me a mustard seed 30 days later the doors opened up for me and I say wow I went through all that for six years and I couldn't give God just 30 more days I couldn't just hold on just 30 more days for an opportunity to open up. So I tell people, don't give up too soon. And if you're going through, don't go through for yourself. There's some stranger out there who's depending on you to continue that fight and to make it through so you can pass the mustard Tell us, uh, since time is ticking on, we'll fast track a little bit forward. Um, Because obviously I'd like to, and going forward, I'd like to get you on again and we can maybe dissect more stuff uh, and maybe the people who have been inspirational in your life can come on at some point and we can they can talk from a different side of things um so tell us uh, about you obviously you, you've written two books you've um 
you're now an established author. You've give us a brief summary of how you built your brand up, and let's say you've now created authors in business, and we'll kind of and go from there. Just give us a, a, a best summary you can in leading up to now. Absolutely. Um, and again, I would love to come back on the show so we can really dive in into the steps that I've taken, but it wasn't a, it wasn't an overnight success, you mm-hmm. know, how I became uh, an established published author and how I became a celebrity speaker. And, you know, my books, I published over 10 books in four different languages. My books can be found on Amazon.com. You can just type in Desiree Lee. You can find all of my books there. There are also books on not just my story, but also on how to self-publish. They're available in 12 countries. So I would really love to get to meet some of your listeners and meet other individuals and strangers from around the world. And so from that, I didn't get here by myself. You know, what are the steps that, or opportunities that I made myself. It was from the help of strangers and other individuals. It was help from my fans and my viewers on Periscope and live stream on Facebook and social media on how I'm able to reach so many people. It's I have to give them all the credit because if they didn't share a like or support or believe in me, I wouldn't have gotten this far. And so with that, from being a published author, you know, a lot of people come and ask me the question that you just asked, how did you do it? And so from that, I created Authors in Business as, as a global community of authors worldwide who share their stories and who are self-published authors. And within that membership community, uh, we share with you guys on how to promote, publish, write, and market your book and put your book in different placements around the world. Um, since then, a lot of our members, they have been thriving with um, getting uh, celebrity exposure, being seen on news stations. I work with police officers and help them with their stories, too, as well. Judges. I work with ministers, um, those who are uh, home-based business, and, and the list goes on. Um, but our community, is again, is called Authors in Business, and it can be found online. Um all over the world. And so now I just dedicate my time to prevent people from incarceration and to assist other people with getting their stories and help them like other strangers have helped me. Um, That's all I want to do. I just want other people who feel like all hope is lost or that, you know, nobody's giving them a chance. I just want to give a chance Mm-hmm. to those who feel like they don't have a chance because I know how that feels. I've been through it for six years. I know how it feels to not just have, you know, someone to believe in you, someone to help you along the way, someone to point you in the right direction, someone to just say, you know what? You came a mighty long way and you're doing a really good job. And I just want to, uh, you know, share that with as many people. And so we're on tour right now. We're going to go to uh, New York um, Mm -hmm. on the World Yacht in New York on June 23rd. And we're also going to be in Washington, D.C. and Houston, Texas as well. And so I would really love, if you're tuning in to this podcast, love to meet you guys at one of the cities 
um, and or I invite you guys to be a part of our community because it's only together that we can do what we can never do alone. So well, thank you again, Ramsey, for having me on your show. If for those who have been listening to this and listening to the interview, and if you have felt inspired, and if you have uh, maybe. Maybe you're needing that mustard seed. Maybe you will cross paths with Desiree and she'll be the one that gives you that mustard seed in your hand. Inspirational story. I do, I've do. i always loved uh, listening to that and it's such a... I'm feeling quite touched by it. Um, so I thank you for Desiree. I thank you for her uh, inspirational story and how, how she's turned her life around just because of that mustard seed and that one person who sat with her and gave her those that time so, I thank you. It was really, really uh, if you are needing that mustard seed and you find somebody who will hopefully reach out to you and give you that mustard seed, because as she says, that is all you need in faith and to move forward and to open your eyes to literally get off that struggle bus, to start afresh and to start making amends of the, the things that have happened in the past going forward. And I look forward to dissecting more about Desiree's story in the future uh, on this show and also people who have been involved in her life and hearing their, their side of things and uh, etc. I remember chatting to meeting Desiree Lee on a platform I've met many people on through Guy Cook and things called Blab and I remember just whatever I said to her at the time <laughs> I obviously it made her upset like I'm feeling a bit uh, emotional because it's been such an inspirational story and that is the plan for this new show the rebrand is to hear inspirational stories of how people have changed their life from being from nothing, from being at the rock bottom, to basically climbing that ladder like the song we just had at uh, Brian McHugh. Uh, and you're going to keep climbing. There'll be times when you do fall down a, a couple of steps, but you just like, get back up, keep going, and keep climbing that ladder in life. It's not easy. Life is never easy. But just keep going and keep reaching for the top. So Desiree, uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being a part of this. and bringing many many people uh connecting with many new people that are going to be on the show in the future please uh end give us a a wee close out give us an, a, wee, a message to anybody who's been listening my pleasure i just want to say thank you again you know ramsey for opening up this opportunity uh for me to share my story i mean this is a a, a clear example just like you said we met on Blab via the internet and now opening up this opportunity uh, for me, you know, a few years, you know, later to be a guest in your show is just remarkable. And, you know, sometimes it just takes a person to just show up or press that live button and you never know how somebody may play intricate part in your life to, to, to push you forward into the success. And so I want people to really grasp this idea. I want them to grasp this one idea, okay? And it's this, that you came too far. You already have endured so much pain. You have been rejected. You came so far to give up now. You can't give up in the race right now. You have one more lap to go. And if you just push yourself just a tad, I promise you, you will win that 
race. Even a turtle, this analogy, even a turtle has to stick its neck out in order to move forward. It's never too late to become what you could have been. And your best days are always better than your worst days. So look on the brighter side of things and just know that you're not going through this by yourself. And to continue to hold on to that mustard seed faith and call those things that be not as though they were. Because someone is depending on you to make it through. Thank you so much again, Ramsey, well, thank for having you. me on. So to everyone out there, uh, thank you for listening to the first debut show of Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders. Uh, tune in next week when we'll have a special guest, uh, Tammy Francis Donaldson. That's Dr. Tammy Francis Donaldson. Uh, so that's the same time next week, Saturday, 8pm uh, GMT or British Summertime, depending on what time of year we are in. Um, obviously 3pm Easter Time and 12 noon Pacific Time. Uh, tune in next week, uh, 8 o'clock, and uh, take care. Have a great weekend, wherever you are, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye now.